0: Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Christoph Wolf. Christoph is Global Head of Mobility at the World Economic Forum. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Christoph World Economic Forum is something that everybody obviously has heard about. It's on the news at least once a year. You can't miss it. But I think not everybody really knows how this works and what this is about. Can you, before we dive into mobility and a bunch of topics over there, give us a quick take on what the World Economic Forum actually is?
1: Yeah, I'm very happy to do so. Indeed, most people associate the World Economic Forum with Davos. Actually, I'm being asked often if the World Economic Forum, if I'm working out of Davos, actually. And then I'm telling, yes, we are in Davos, at least until now, once a year for a week, together with many heads of states and the CEOs from many companies around the globe. But actually, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So the, the forum has a status of an international organization, such as the Red Cross or the World Bank, etc., And it's the International Organization for Public Private Collaboration. So the forum engages with its almost a thousand partners and many public organizations on topics on themes, which one industry or one organization alone cannot solve. Yeah, where you need stakeholders from that area public and private, civil society, research, academia, to work together across the value chain to get something going. And the forum is structured around industries. So I am leading one out of eight global industries. Mobility, that is includes automotive and mobility as a service, supply chain, aviation, travel, tourism, aerospace. And it's my job to work to identify with these partners. Or around 150 globally relevant or topics, important and urgent topics. And then we jointly start initiatives that are designed to have impact on a global level. And I'm sure we get into examples later on. Mm-hmm. And I think that many people
0: also ask themselves how all of that gets funded because much of what you're describing sounds in some ways like something also a consulting firm would do and bringing people together, hosting events, maybe publishing papers, but then it's clear what the business model is behind that basically selling consulting teams. And that's that's not the, the case here. How does WWF work financially? How is all of that possible, the work that
1: you're doing? Well, the, the forum is different to consulting firms. So the forum is a platform. Yeah, the forum is a platform on which people work together, communicate together. Solve topics and address important issues. So the forum does work with consulting firms. So consulting firms are members, partners of the forum. And actually we can engage consulting firms to, to help us in these multi-stakeholder collaborations to address issues. But the forum itself is not a consulting firm and the, the business model is, is straightforward. Yeah. So it's actually. These almost 1,000 partners, they pay membership fees. yeah. So they basically want to be part of the World Economic Forum. I mean, the big headline is committed to improving the state of the world since 50 years. So Davos had its 50th anniversary just early this year before COVID hit. So the, the partners basically entrust the World Economic Forum to do the right thing, yeah, to bring them together on behalf of important topics.
0: When I look back at... I was reading about the work that you did also before on WEF and you have a long history in travel and mobility and logistics and so on, including 17 years at McKinsey leading the global logistics and travel practice and also over there. When we work in mobility now, it seems to us like a very special time. It seems like there's so much happening at once. But I wonder if that has always been the case, basically. <laughs> How do you look at... Um the space that we're working in and that our listeners are, are working in, as it evolved over time, is it really true that there's something more accelerating and something going on now, or has this always been the case over twenty plus years probably?
1: No, I think it's a special time. Yeah. So I mean you can say all times are special, but it's a special time because it's a confluence between different developments that actually are coming together at this at uh, this time. And I should say that, I mean, the forum is a purpose-driven, it's a mission-driven organization. So we are, con- we are committed to values like sustainability. Sustainability is very important in the forum, as well as social cohesion. Yeah? So basically bringing the world together, dealing with inequality. And so the big themes of its time. Now in mobility, what's different is that, you know, mobility has to react to the climate crisis. Yeah, so... I mean, we have, there's no time to lose. Yeah. So we know that our car, the carbon budget of the world is getting closer to tipping points in many places in the Arctic. You see the weather patterns changing, et cetera. It has impact on citizens in, in many countries and mobility or transport contributes like 25% to that. And it hasn't actually, while the emissions from the power sector have gone down over the last let's say 10 years, in mobility and transport, they are rather increasing. So there are different sectors. So it's different in road, uh, light-duty vehicles on, on, on like road transport, different on cargo and on aviation, on shipping. And this is a big area of our work at the forum and of my work specifically, also building on what I did before to really get uh, that transition towards net zero, transport going you know, in many sectors. And I think there are there's examples on which we could dive deeper. But at the same time, mobility connects people and it brings people to their work. It brings people to their loved ones. It actually connects the world through aviation, through trade. I mean, basically 90% of all goods that we consume are being shipped by ocean carriers, et cetera. I mean, the, uh, the, the wealth, uh, the well-being, the GDP of many countries, developing countries around the world depends on, on mobility and transport. And we have to, so we have to maintain that because otherwise the world becomes less and less connected and uh, wealth gets less and less unequally distributed. And, and so that's why we have to actually work with the mobility options and the new mobility options have to do a lot with digitization. Yeah. So. I mean, people can move differently. We can trade parcels and 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 containers, so we can do a lot better. Yeah, so we can act on demand instead of, instead of scheduled routes. So we can do do many things better. But we have to learn together how to do it best. I
0: know that you are. You've also initiated a number of initiatives at the World Economic Forum around different aspects of mobility. So it's hard to cover all of them. But what what's one that you would maybe Pick out as um, one that has particularly high impact? So where maybe either you have already or you're about to change how mobility probably evolves because of this initiative. What is an example of an area that you're tackling? And how are you able to have an impact there?
1: Yes, I think I would... Let, let me take two. And I think there's one actually where we come together also with Wunder Mobility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm happy to talk a bit about that so a lot of the transitions happen in cities and so there's a big promise of the new mobility to basically reduce to make mobility more safe yeah so less fatalities cleaner less or no emissions and more inclusive so actually people get to work in an affordable way so and to make it all efficient by using basically the digital means so this is now, in COVID times, the mobility patterns in cities were challenged. Yeah. So the I mean, public transit, suddenly, you know, nobody was going to use public transit. Yeah. So because uh, the people felt the infection risk. At the same time, people that were essential to keep basically our life going, people working in Supermarkets, people working in hospitals—they needed to get to work, yeah. And uh, I think we, together with Wunder and a number of other partners, so we started that initiative. Yeah, basically, we all move, and I think it has got a lot of attention and gone, gone pretty viral. And I think we were able to to bring. services actually uh, mobility as a service companies across the world to that platform that committed to to, uh, themselves to to keep our life going you know to basically bring essential workers essential to the places where they needed to be so i think that was very fast and agile i think it was needed I think it's a great example. And I think we couldn't we couldn't have done that, I mean, if we hadn't had the connection to all these parties through our so-called Global New Mobility Coalition, you know, which basically is a multi-stakeholder so a policy lab for cities. So what we think actually, I mean, cities have the key in their hand to move towards electric vehicles. And they can do many things, actually, to... Basically, and it's not only electric vehicles, it's shared mobility, it's at some stage, it may be autonomous mobility. And at the end, it's about bringing more, you know, reclaim public space. So people, you know, the, the public space in cities shouldn't just be there for driving or for, for parking or for congestion. And the Global New Mobility Coalition is a is a group of more than 200 organizations around the world with the most prominent, the OEMs, the suppliers, the ride-hailing and shared companies like Lyft and Uber and Ola and others, but also like civil society organizations to really think through and work together with with cities like London, Amsterdam, Los Angeles, Singapore, Beijing, in order to transition towards shared electric and autonomous mobility and so this is actually there so these two things were much in common uh, were much building on each other maybe the other one i could highlight is our current initiative on clean skies of tomorrow so if we, let's we change mode for a moment so we go to aviation aviation is um, well it does connect the world yeah but it's the social license to operate has been threatened Over the last couple of years, I mean, you you all read about flight shaming and had the the conversation within our families that we may not want to go far because actually aviation is bad for climate. We are very convinced that we will need to fly as a global community. We, We may need to fly more maybe not less business after covid but basically there's like 30 40% of the world that hasn't flown yet yeah and they want to have the same privilege but we need to do it sustainably and zero carbon and that means we need to move the industry towards sustainable aviation fuel and we are it we have a started initiative called clean skies and we're working with governments with the airlines airports a fuel companies etc around the globe to really basically bring these sustainable aviation fuels and at some stage also hydrogen or, you know, battery electric flights into the mix. Yeah. You know, so that by 2050, we will actually fly without actually emitting carbon. It's very
0: interesting to try and understand how this works in both of these examples. On the one hand, formulating a position amongst so many participants, like in the global new mobility coalition. And then on the other hand, how to have influence on cities, for example. I think that you mentioned there are certain maybe values incorporated into the World Economic Forum and becoming a member, this kind of multi-stakeholder approach and sustainability. And at the same time, the companies who make up and organizations who make up the forum are very diverse and profit-driven companies. So how do you manage to align these many players around certain common positions, do you sort of set a direction and then whoever can buy into this will join for this specific course? Or how does this go about in the first step to even formulate before even influencing somebody?
1: Well, first of all, I think the forum is the, this international organization for public-private collaboration. And we measure ourselves on impact yeah so we really want to get things done yeah so it's not just about a talk but it's about action and uh, action obviously is around policy if you want to do uh, change something large scale it's often about finance yeah basically bringing together industry players with financial institutions and you know, the Green Deal of the European Commission is an example, or but there's many other schemes to really bring finance to places where transition is needed and where, you know, smart financial engineering actually can make a difference. So we have those partners actually in our platform. And so we are value driven and the partners share this. And I think, you know, we, the good thing is we have now come to a point where there's very few Parties on the world that mm-hmm. say, you know, Paris is not a good idea, yeah, and it's getting hopefully less and less so, some outliers maybe. So in a general direction, which means mm-hmm. to guide the transition towards clean, safe, and inclusive mobility, mm-hmm. I think we should be are aligned. But then it's about picking the right themes for impact, yeah? So basically saying, where is a window of opportunity? Who can work together? What is the landing point? Is it the right time window? And I could say, for example, for the aviation example, there is obviously a regulatory process. So ICAO is a global regulator on this; it's a UN body. We are closely connected. Yeah. So the, um, the Secretary General of ICAO is the chairwoman of my board. So they have a process ongoing, but it's obviously 195 companies need to agree. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a quick process. Yeah. So they need they take time. And it's very much about building confidence. Yeah, It's building confidence that this is doable. And so this is about building confidence and building instruments and building economical opportunities to make this attractive. And that is actually, then you find traction. Then you get traction from the airlines, from the airports and everybody who obviously needs to make money. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, we're not in an altruistic commercial space. I mean, these are all companies that are responsible to their shareholders. yeah. So they need to make money to make it profitable. But they also realize there may not be a business any longer in the future of aviation, for example, if they ignore the reality of the climate crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. And my impression is that you basically have some tools that you also mentioned now at your disposal. One would be probably to bring some data to the surface, maybe publishing yourself or highlighting what others have published, but then also like providing a stage, right? Like you mentioned about if somebody is willing to come out first or is one of the first, you have probably a larger audience than they have by themselves to to position themselves. And then finally, you need to connect um, people so that they find others faster to help them.
1: Indeed, I think, you know, Professor Schwab had a lot of foresight like 50 mm-hmm. years ago when he basically claim that, in a way, space for multi-stakeholder collaboration. I mean, in mm-hmm. Germany, we say Rundertisch, yeah, so it's not a not rocket science, yeah, so it's not a, probably not the first person who had the idea, but, but basically he dwelled on that, yeah, and, and you talked about tools, yeah, so obviously the events, in a way, are a tool because they p- provide the stage, yeah, in order to announce something, to say something, you know, it, you get media attention there, yeah. You get the opportunity to connect with uh, high level public figures. Yeah. So it's a, it's not, it's an opportunity. It's a tool in a way. Yeah. So, I mean, our media is so, a uh, media uh, activity. So we have almost a hundred million followers. So there's quite a machinery or there's quite a great approach in order to, to get attention for the right topics. Yeah. And it's about access. Yeah. Having basically access to. Both governments and private sectors for the right things, yeah, for the things that gel in the community that where people generally care about, and we can give the voice to people that otherwise would not be heard. Yeah, so that people from developing countries, I I, I was part in, in, I was in Paris like five years ago, and I think what really made a difference at the time to get to one point five degrees was basically the people from the Marshall Islands or from other small islands in the, in the Pacific, basically speaking up and saying, well, you know, for you guys, it may be long, it may sound like far off. Yeah. But for us, it's, it's actually a reality today. Yeah. So our living space becomes smaller and smaller. So we need to move people from one, evacuate people from one island to the next. I think that was actually, that was very touching for for the people there. And I think this is actually what made a huge impact. And so I think the forum has the opportunity to give voice to, to a lot of people that otherwise would not be heard. Mm-hmm. And I think from, from my experience or our experience at
0: Wonder Mobility when we did this initiative together earlier in the year around we all Move and basically the COVID response from the Global New Mobility Coalition. I was surprised how I would say accessible the teams are at the World Economic Forum and fast-moving and how you can actually put something together because I think you think there are 200 members or so and you will like stand in a long queue and maybe never get to, but the reality is that not maybe everybody is also equally active or maybe has an idea in this moment. So I think the barriers to entry are maybe surprisingly low. But then the reach is quite big.
1: Yeah, and indeed, I think the, you know, this is, this is actually our mission, you know. So, also at a very personal basis. So, in mobility, we are a team of around thirty globally. So, so the the forum has offices. The head offices, it offices in Geneva. I'm actually would normally be based in in New York, but because of COVID, I'm in Germany. All the time currently, um, but we have an office in San Francisco, in Beijing, in in Mumbai, in Tokyo, and we are we're working as a team. Yeah, and so we are very committed to these topics, and this is actually important for us. And especially, you know, if you are a company, a purpose-driven company, a global innovator, etc., that actually has a great business model and reach, so it's a it's a good place to mm. to work together. Yeah, so to make something big happen.
0: You are leading mobility for the World economic Forum, so it's not just Europe, it's also not just uh, North America. Mm-hmm. Your work extends into um, China and all places around the world. Where do you see we have a primarily European audience, a little bit North American audience. Where do you see you new know, regions of innovation around the world for mobility that you probably advise after Corona all of us should travel to
1: Well. I I think it has been written and, and talked about a lot that obviously California on one way is a, is a lab for the world. Yeah, so especially when you talk about digitization and business models based on smart, uh, you know, IoT on data and all of that. So it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that all these platform companies, you know, the Ubers, Lyft Airbnb etc are US based yeah so this work you know capital gets invested and you know what talent is and so i think you know we we ne- we have to be in california it's really important and and we see a lot of traction coming out of there but equally and almost equally now you know china has become also a very important breathing space for really innovative companies in all these areas, I think, you know, Didi moves um, more people than Uber, uh, you know, obviously has to do with the fact that China has so many people. But there are other companies as well. There's Baidu, on autonomous, etc. So I think there's a lot of, I mean, digital competence. I mean, there's a, actually a digital native population there that actually, you know, that basically shops on the Internet. And so e-commerce is booming, and and I think they, you know, I think one can talk a lot about the, the kind of the tech, you know socio-economic realities in China, but I mean that you have a young population that is very much you know digitally capable, and that is actually uh, that has an engineering mentality in a way, and that is moving fast, yeah, and this um, we'll see that. We also see innovation coming out of like India, yeah. So same thing, young population. You know, you see all our cabs, you see other actually places. You um, and and they're they're also. I mean, they have clean air issues. So so it's it's actually there where people want to change things because it's good for the economy. It's exportable. I think it's also. Politically supported, and uh, but it's truly interesting to see what in places like Shanghai, and Beijing, Shenzhen, etc. What's really happening there? And go, but it goes to Singapore, it goes to Jakarta. I mean, to the mega cities that uh, and, and, you know, people are aware that you know the mega cities are, are growing, and they 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 need to become livable again for for all the millions of people that that are there. I'm Germany, and. To some
0: extent, other countries in the West, Japan, um, certainly have benefited in the past from the strong role of the automotive industry. And more and more that's coming under pressure at the moment. There was extreme decline in new car sales in the beginning of the year. And then there are sort of rounds of cost savings announced at the big manufacturer. But at the same time, also huge investment programs into electrification and digital services can you, from your work at the World Economic Forum, look more than one or two years into the future of how you think these companies are going to change these big incumbent
1: OEMs? Well, I think that the change is underway, and it may have started a little late in, in some com- uh, companies. And obviously, you know, these companies are huge, and it uh, it, it takes uh, enormous leadership effort, yeah, to take them into the next era that is different and obviously i mean the the in, internal combustion engine was a specific you know was a key technology that brought a lot of wealth that has been optimized to in, in a significant way and the automotive industry in germany is, is super important and responsible for every seventh job in germany yeah so I, it's you need to make every effort and but i would be optimistic yeah so I mean, logistics is a is a German, um, you know, you, basically DHL, Kühne and Nagel, DB Schenker. So all the big logistics plays actually are you know Germany based. And in automotive, BMW, Daimler, Volkswagen, etc. I think they are. I mean, they I think they have all acknowledged, yeah, and and they're moving slowly But the chances, the challenges are there, yeah. So uh, the car arch- architecture is going to change. It's a lot more software than hardware driven. I think before, car, basically automotive companies were selling cars and then when they left the factory ground, I think they were basically done with it. Yeah, Now it's about lifecycle, you need to be connected to your consumers, I mean, it's about data, it's about services, I mean, there will be probably a lot more money made with services than with the purchase in the first place or with the sales in the first place. These are all big changes, but but I see a lot of movement, so we should be optimistic. But it's um, the next 10 to 15 years. And you ask at the beginning, do we see? Is that has it always been like that? I, I think these times are special. This time is different, as some people say. And the combination of digitization, of the need to move to become sustainable and Paris compatible, I think this is quite something. Yeah, and uh, we are in the middle of it. It seems like in
0: automotive, there are these kind of radical new entrants, of course, Tesla leading all the way, but then NIO from China moving up in market capitalization, maybe maybe number five at the moment. Yep. And then there are all the more traditional companies that everybody has known about forever. Okay, would you somehow classify those traditional companies? Can you also see them fall into different groups already deploying like very maybe quite different strategies or, or do, do you think that they are all sort of trying to find their way down the middle of the road, hatching their bets in all sorts of directions? Can you make out
1: really differences between them? Mm. Well, I think if you talk about the German companies, I think, you know, we have the big OEMs and they Yeah, I think they're global. I think they're super attractive brands. I mean, we can see that even in this year, China came back to almost normal after a few months and actually seems to be buying cars again in in a significant way. And, And I think we benefit from that. And so these companies will all, in a way, be present, but they may... You know, there may be new new ways of collaborations uh, on technologies, yeah, so also on mobility as a service uh, platforms, we see, you know, Daimler and BMW working together more closely. And so, but I think it will be interesting to see, I mean, you know, for, for the mastery of the new age, which basically is a software age, yeah, so you know tesla indeed is uh, and you know others are referring to that also big time has set some standard not just brand wise but also technology wise i think the the battery management system seems to be very advanced i mean the software architecture as well and while, I mean, it also took them some effort in order to get there. I mean, you remember that, you know, the models, until the Model 3 factory was up, it, it really took time and a lot of optimization. But now they're prevailing and there's a little hype there, obviously, on the valuation side. So that's the OEM side but on, on the tier one suppliers. I mean, there's obviously, a you know, a big question on, how to bring the component portfolio into the digital and electric world? I think you know basically all the big ones are are working on that, and I see I see actually a lot of determination now to basically embrace that and to make that transition over the next ten years happen with investments into new technology, new products, and I you know I think that you know the German. German engineering has always been quite challenge-led. Yeah, so I think this is now being embraced. Yes, there's risks, you know, that maybe not everybody will be able to make the full transition, but I think there's a lot of opportunity and I can see people, new forms of collaborations happening. So I would be optimistic. We talked
0: initially about cities and regions and then some players within the space, the automotive industry in particular. Maybe we can shift uh, towards the end to... Yeah, some personal mobility choices. Is there something that um, a service or a vehicle type or so that that you have come across in the last years that you like and that you've sort of integrated into your day to day?
1: Well, I, I mean, funny that you asked that. I mean, in, in New York, basically, we don't have a car. Obviously, yeah. I mean, you don't want you don't want to own a car in New York, and we happen to live in a place where the subway is in the basement okay. you know, almost. Yeah, so so that's. For sure. So there, it's all public transit. Yeah. Now in in Germany, so we live in a more rural area, and but we have gone electric in 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were the first three mm-hmm. customers, and so we have become electric since then. That is also I, you know, as a family, I have two sons, and both are very technology interested, and so this is actually these always have been like family projects. Yeah. So. How to get more performance and how to? What is the next place to get to technology-wise and what's the what's the features and etc. So we are very conscious, technology-conscious family here.
0: It's very early, and I, I think that the i3 is still sold, and not so much changed. Mm-hmm. It was extremely early at the time, and now it's still a very very modern car. More recently, basically, much of the talk is about light electric vehicles and okay, kick scooters, first generation is maybe just one example, but also more kind of an in-between of those early kick scooters and, and maybe cars. Do you think that's really going to happen and when and how far is that away? Are we going to change away from either riding a car or a bike kick scooter? And is there something in between or do you even see that somewhere around the world already?
1: Well, I think that, you know, the choices have grown. So I think we have also been thinking about buying an e-bike or an e-scooter, et cetera, or renting. So when we go to, you know, to Berlin or so, I think we we do explore the city by, you know, various choices. there. I think, you know, our, our, our son lives in Zurich, and I think he has, you know, he has an e-bike subscription. So, and, and yeah, so I think mobility as a service is actually growing in many ways. And uh, I would also see that over the next 20 years. I mean, the fact that we always uh, um, basically drive in the same car that is actually designed to serve you in in inner city traffic, as well as on the maybe two times a year longer term trip where you have need a lot of baggage. So that means you have an oversized car. That is empty most times in, in, in dense inner city traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think there's, you know, we will become a lot smarter in having the right asset or using the right asset for the right reason. And, and we see that in our own usage pattern. So I think we are, we're getting there and especially the young generation millennials are getting there first. Yeah. And so I think this, this change that started is actually going to accelerate in my mind. All right. Christoph, it's been fascinating
0: to talk to you, hear more about how this forum that everybody knows about and everybody sees on the news at least once a year actually works a little bit on the hindsight what some of the ideas and driving values behind it are and how you're making translating those into initiatives. Thanks a lot for taking some time for us today.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, so great talking. Thank you. Bye bye.